you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. I'm excited, man, to see all the little babies here. Babies are flying everywhere in our church right now. Be careful. I heard there's something in the coffee right now. Uh, But we're excited to see all the little ones snuggled in here today. And uh, we're dedicating some more next uh, in the next service. So, I mean, I'm just, we're going to grow this church one way or another. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, thankful for the fruit that God is multiplying us. Listen, we're starting a new series today, and um, I couldn't be more jazzed up about it. I love our church, and I love to see all the things that God is doing, the crazy hardship that people are going through, and, uh, and the crazy blessing that he's pouring out. I mean, all at the same time, God is moving in our lives, and uh, this series that we're about to unpack is going to be a good one. Uh, it's going to take us a lot of weeks. We're probably going to go about six weeks on this one. I don't know, maybe longer. But we're going to try to unpack the book of Daniel chapter by chapter. And uh, this is a, a, an interesting book uh, because it is, uh, it's going to unpack a lot of prophecy uh, and uh, into a lot of things that's happening currently in the world that we live in. We tried to do a series like this several years ago, uh, maybe four years ago, I think we did one similar and uh, I, I don't know if there's ever a time that, like, you probably need to hear this series. And so you're not going to want to miss it. If, even if you're not here, tune in, check it out. But um, I think God's going to speak to all of you today. We're, really, this message today is about trying to figure out how to live godly in an ungodly culture. And I don't know if you guys can feel the momentum under your feet of things that are shifting almost on a daily basis. But man, things are changing and changing so quickly. But I want you to know this is all biblical. The Lord said that this was going to happen. But it's important for you to know who you are and how to respond in the midst of this. And so really what happened, this book, we're going to go to, um, to the story of Daniel in, in the country of Babylon But before they got to this place, it it really started in Israel. God was continuing to ask of his people, Israel, to return to me. Return to me. Come back to me. Love me. Love me. Love me. And the people of Israel just continued to kind of just drift. And I want you to know I see this often in the world that we live in, the same problem. What happens to people that grow up in the church or spend a season when we fall in love with the Lord... I, I, I seldomly see people fall out of love with the Lord, but what happens is, is we lose fear of God. We, we lose sight of like, oh Lord, I don't want to hurt you, or I, I don't want to step out of your will, and what we happen is that we just fall in love with too many things, we, and it dumbs down our love for God in light of being overstimulated with the world. And that overstimulation is important because the Lord, the, great, the greatest commandment is to what? Love Him. More than your, 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 with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, more than your mother, your children, more than your spouse, more than anything in your life. Like it's be radical about Him. And the problem is when people fall away from the Lord, it's not that we ever stopped loving Him, it's that we loved so many other things. And we lose balance. We lose like the fear of the Lord. This happened to the people of Israel. 
And it's happening right now. And so what happened was Israel was destroyed by a country called Babylon. And Babylon, if, if we were being historic, geo, geo, geologically, geographically, that's the word I was looking for. I'll get there. Uh, uh, another cup of coffee will get me there. So, so this is, uh, that would be current modern-day Iraq, if, you're, if we're figuring out where this was. So, so this is uh, a historic scenario. And so Babylon sacked Israel and they captured some of the people. They burned the temple down. They, they, they murdered babies, women, terrible. I mean, there was war. And they took some of the elect hostage and tried to raise them up in the country of Babylon. Well, that's where we find ourselves right now. America, used, we are very much a Babylonian empire. And we're going to show you that over the next several weeks, prophetically and through Scripture, of, of what the culture looks like in America and how it identifies very much with where Babylon was. But so now what we have is people that love God trying to exist in an ungodly world. We used to be an American, a Christian country, but we are now very much a post-Christian country. And so we're trying to navigate those waters, and we want to make sure that you have a roadmap in your heart of who you are in a society that is not currently in love with the Lord. How do you maintain and navigate Fan that flame. Does that make sense? We're going to dive into this, man. It's so good, I think, anyways. It has been for me. It's electrifying, actually, for me. And so I would encourage you, please, as we go through these next several weeks, don't take your pastor's word for it. Just because you think that I'm godly doesn't mean that you shouldn't challenge what I say. And you should be reading your Bible. And if there's a cool chapter or book in the Bible to read... It is the book of Daniel. It will grab your attention. It will make you close that book and speak in tongues. Uh, you will pray, and it, it will uh, it'll light a fire under you. It's a beautiful thing. Anyways, here we go. Uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Just stay seated, because I'm going to talk to you throughout this whole thing this morning. Let me pray first. Dear Jesus, help. Amen. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, he was his third year reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Please hear that. That's a small sentence, but man, that's messy when you're living it. The Lord delivered the king of Israel into the king of, of a pagan king's hand. Sometimes in your life, it looks like, God, are you even in control what is happening? None of this looks like what I thought it would look like. But you need to know, the Lord often would speak and say, turn, 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 turn. And when he takes his hand off of your situation, it gets ugly. I can't imagine seeing that ugly. I remember when COVID was going on and, and people were burning cities and polices were kick, being kicked out of cities and, and like we're watching terror happen on the news. I can't imagine happening in my front yard. Uh, maybe. Uh, so uh, Judah into his hand. Along, so, so the Lord delivered Jehoiakim into, into Judah, uh, into, into his hand, and along with some of the articles from the temple of God. We're talking about holy artifacts, holy church belongings were just released to the pagans. 
These things were carried off uh, to the temple of the lowercase god in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his lowercase g god. And then uh, the king ordered uh, Ashpenaz, we're going to study that name next week, the king of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and of the nobility, young men without any physical defect, Handsome, sounds like some people I know. Handsome people without any physical defect, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Let me make sure you understand what's going on. The king ordered this guy to take all of the elect people and come serve in his palace. Are you with me? So these are the elite of the elite of, of the Israelites. And, and so he, he was to teach these Israelites, these elite people, he was to teach them language and literature of the Babylons. He was to overwhelm them with their current culture. He was to overstimulate them with everything that's going on in their world and in their society. And whether you realize it or not, or whether you've chosen to, you are, you are being stimulated by the world society and world culture right now. Whether it's through commercials, whether it's through post boards, if you have any social media account, you are being inundated right now with information from every society and every way of thinking. And that is dangerous. It's not wrong. It is dangerous. And so um, then the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Uh, they were to be trained for three years. So for three years, he's feeding them from his table. And why that's important is because you need to know to be an Israelite, there were certain foods that were unholy and they weren't allowed to eat. And so there was unsacred food, unclean food that was going to be forced upon them that they were going to have to partake of that would have changed their values. Like these are things that are not good. Everyone around me says it's good. It looks good. It tastes good. It smells good. Everyone else is, what's wrong with it for me? Yet it was not good. And they were being forced to eat these foods. Does this make sense? You're being forced to watch things that are not good. That you know is not good, but it's not that bad. So it can't be wrong. Does that make sense? I'm going to get into that next week. We're going to keep, okay, here we go. So among them, uh, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so it's kind of funny because we know Daniel by his Israelite name, but we know uh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah by their uh, pagan name, which would be Rakshak and Benny, right? For all of you guys that know about the chocolate bunny. Uh, Oh, Veggie Tales would have told us about y'all know the bunny, the bunny. Anyone else? Come. I love the bunny. Anyway, okay, cool. So, um, uh, so in this story, um, there are people. There is a pagan culture, and men that are living amongst this ungodly society. Things are changing, and it's changing quick. And there are decisions right now that are being made by companies that are like, we don't have a choice but to move off of this and allow more and more things. Things are changing, and countries, companies, schools are moving off of principles that they've believed their whole life because 
They don't really have much of an option. And I want you to know that that is not true. It is important that you know who you are and what you believe. Because what I have seen is that God will allow his elect to grow and in fact thrive when they don't bow to what everyone else is doing. Let me make sure that you're still with me. Uh, I'm going to take you, so this book of Daniel, some, there's some people here that you're still kind of new to church, and so I want to encourage you to read the Bible, uh, and what generally happens is when people make the decision for the first time to start reading the Bible, they go right to the beginning of the book, and, uh, and so what's difficult to understand about reading the Bible for your first time is the Bible is not written in order. Uh, and what I mean by that is like if you were to, to read through it, it it's, it's not like uh, chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, chapter 3. It's more like chapter 1, chapter 17, chapter 3, chapter 28. Chap- and so it's not in chronological order. So the Bible, in, in their first five books, is what we call the law. It's God speaking to the people of Israel, giving them uh, the, the mandates. And then what we'll see is the next several books are, are going to be what we call the historical books, where we're giving out the history of all the things that happened throughout time, how God worked with this king, and how God worked with this king, and how God worked with this king. And then the next set of books is going to be the poetry books. So there's, there's going to be some things that were written in there that were quite lovely and quite beautiful that would be sung or read as, a, as like a, a, a think piece. It was all poetic. And then, and then we get into the prophets. There's the major prophets, and then there's the minor prophets. Not because the minor are less important. They're just smaller books, and the major prophets are like really, really, really big books. And so um, the book of Daniel is unique in that it was inserted into the uh, the, 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 the minor prophets, the major prophets, right there in between the major and the minor prophets. Now, the, it's kind of awesome because we believe that the word of God is ordained and it defines to us who the Lord is. Now, what I want to make sure that we understand is that in a changing world, the Lord does not change. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he stands for, he still stands for today. And so it feels like, like well, no, and there's a lot of, of churches or people that feel like we need to be with the times. And that's really scary when we are just evolving God's theories and God's emotions and things because we want to be current you have to understand, we don't move with people, we move with the Lord. And so, anyways, this book, Daniel, it is unique of like any other book in the Bible because it is both a prophecy book and a history book. So there's, there's 12 chapters in the book of Daniel, and it's cool because the first six chapters are historic chapters. And then the next 7 through 12 are prophecy chapters. And so what is so cool about it is Daniel could have been put in the history chapter, but it wasn't. It was put perfectly in the the prophetic chapters, the prophetic books, because the Lord wants you to understand something, that history is prophecy. History will speak to you again and again and again that the Lord did and will do again. And he will do again, and he will do again, and he will do again. And so we feel like we're living in a day that has never been seen on earth. But in fact, 
a lot of even what we're dealing with, while our new technologies or new language, this has happened before. And what went down was massively ugly, and we should learn from it as quickly as we can, or we'll see the consequences in our own front yard. Does that make sense? History is prophecy. And so I'm going to take you in the book of Daniel to, I'm going to skip ahead and go right into the middle part of the book because I think this is going to set the tone for how we feel like we need to, there's a a main ingredient that we as believers must carry as we navigate forward through even this series and what's happening around us. And I hope that you can see it because that will be the recipe that we'll talk about every week as we talk about what's going on around us. Does that make sense? So in chapter 6, right before it moves over into prophecy, the book of Daniel is going to say in verses 1 through 5, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Let me make sure you understand. A satrap was like, um, was like a, a, a mayor or, or someone like a governor. And so they had 120 of them over the whole country of Babylon. And then there would be three like, like officials over those guys. One of those three dudes was Daniel. So Daniel began, who was a, a, an Israelite living in a pagan culture, God began to raise him up. Now, it's also important for you to know that the book of Daniel encompasses a lot of time. So it's one dude's life living amongst many other Babylon kings. So we believe this is the third king now that is living in the book of Daniel, and probably 60 years have lapsed. So Daniel, while it started when he was very young, there's a lot of theologians that believe that Daniel could have been as young as 16 years old when the book started. He was arrested and, and raised uh, to authority, which is why we believe in our youth so much. And we speak that there's nothing that God can't do in them that he can't do in us. It's the same Holy Spirit in them that's in us. And we believe in the call of God regardless of what age it's in. But so at this point, Daniel is now older. Okay, He's probably somewhere around 60 years old. And he's now a governor, a major governor in the palace. Y'all with me? Okay. So it pleased Darius to appoint 120 uh, satraps, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to, to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So Daniel, now Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the other administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Let me make sure you understand this now. So he keeps getting promoted. There's something different about Daniel, and we're going to find this out. The way he reacted was unlike anyone else. And that's what we're trying to get across in chapter 6, is again we'll see him stand up and say, I am supposed to be different. If you want to make a difference, please know that something about you should be different. Do you, do you get that? You should see that the way that you talk and the jokes you laugh at and the places you go shouldn't be like everyone else that you're trying to influence if, in fact, you're trying to influence people. So he was so exceptionally different that the king said, man, we're going to make this guy even, even bigger. He's going to rule over the whole kingdom. And at this, the administrators and the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. What are they saying? 
these dudes hated him and they tried to, to create an agenda, you know, like a cancel culture type thing. They were going to cancel Daniel, but they couldn't find anything in his Instagram, even though they went back 30 years, that, that would set this dude up for failure. And so uh, maybe I'm reading that different. But any, so, so anyways, um, so they, they, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So finally, these men, they said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man. I want you to know that you're called to be different. You're not called to be like everyone else. You have a holy calling of God on your life. The Lord is different, and those that are marked by them should act differently. There's a standard. That standard hasn't changed. And while you aren't there yet, where you're unlike anyone else, I realize I'm not there yet either. But I do know that God is calling me, and I hope that when the worship is moving and we're in the room, we see that he is unlike anyone else, and he's calling us. The standard on my life has to go up, because if the standard goes up, the glory will come down. And I'm trying to grow in my life, and I'm trying to obey him more and more. I hear the Lord saying, Tim, stop being an idiot. Don't say that. Don't do that, don't think that, don't look at that. Does anyone else hear that type of language? Because that's the Holy Spirit talking to all of us. You're an idiot. I love you. That, maybe that's the way he talks to me. I don't know. He's a little forceful with me sometimes. We're working on that, I think. Um, maybe not. Um, so we see Daniel was blameless Unlike anyone else, while Daniel is so important, not just because he lived in a world that was changing so rapidly because of all of the cultures that was happening in Babylon, Daniel is a type of Jesus. He was blameless, and that blamelessness promoted him. And I want you to know it's going to be important for you in your life to be blameless. And so we want to be like Daniel, like Christ. So I'm going to turn the page because Daniel had an exceptional quality. He had the ability to love others and serve with a crazy radical love, and he had the ability of, 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 of living with a standard. He loved, and he had a standard. He loved, and he had a standard. Are you all with me? Do you see this? You see him serving the king, even though the king was not righteous, and yet he himself maintained righteousness. I'm going to take you to the one who did this better than anyone else, and his name is Jesus. He is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He is the greatest name in all of heaven and all of earth. He is lovely in every way. He is powerful in every way. He is, oh my goodness, you are awesome, attractive, and terrifying all in the same breath. His name is Jesus. And so if you are starting to read the Bible for the first time in your life, I would encourage you to go to the book of John. This is where you want to start. If you're not reading anything and you're not going to Daniel, go to John. Go to John, go to John, go to John. I'm going to take you to John chapter 1, verse 1. And the scripture would say this, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in, he was with God in the beginning. What they're saying here is important for you to understand, that the Word, who is the standard is the canon. He is Jesus. And Jesus was with God in the beginning. That's why we believe in the blessed Trinity. I'm going to keep going further because I'm going to confuse you. So through him, all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Through God's spoken word, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Do you get that? In him was life. 
And that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shined into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to which those was his own, but his own did not receive him. And that's going to happen to us. God's going to send you to a people who don't recognize that you actually love them and want the best for them. That's what went wrong with Christ. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of husband's will, but born of God. The word, Jesus, he became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And we've all seen his glory, the glory of the only one, the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was different. He possessed an ability on earth. I love reading about him because the way that he handled any interaction is just simply better than me. It's fascinating. And in my life, I'm trying to slow down long enough to hear how he wants me to respond to situations because every time I make a mistake, I run ahead of asking him what he thought I should do. Anyone else ever find that? I opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. I didn't slow down long enough to think about what was gonna happen. I I didn't pull away and ask God his opinion and I made a mess of a situation that would have been good. Jesus was full of both grace and and truth. Now, what is hard about this church, this is so important because this is the pinnacle of everything that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. In a culture that is godless, we must be, be full of grace and truth. Now, if I am honest, I have found this to be incredibly difficult. And in my walking with other believers, I see a people that favor one or the other seldomly marry both. Grace and truth. Some people are like, man, we just, all we need is people to just preach it, preach it, preach it, preach it louder, preach it harder, tell them how it is, tell them what's coming. We need more of the truth. Absolutely. There needs to be the truth. But Jesus was somehow full of truth and full of grace. If we just tell people how it is, that may not actually turn into the best results. Jesus had a way of actually getting to them first. But we also find in a society where there is no truth, there's just embrace people, just embrace them, embrace them, embrace them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, and there is no truth. So there will never, ever be change. And this is radically dangerous. We have to be a people that marries the two. So I did some Googling, and I came up with a whole bunch of cool taglines for you because I think that this is fun. Because you've heard grace and truth before, maybe. And hearing it a different way just woke up my spirit. Before I get there, I want you to know that God's truth is God's standard. So when we say God was full of truth, we know that that's the standard. This is who God is. This is the line. This is what we must marry. Watch this. John 17, 17 says this. I'm going to put it on the the screen for you. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How will we be clean? How will we know the Lord? Through the truth. If you aren't in relationship with God's word, 
you're growing in an idea of the Lord. But the more that I encounter God's word and I take time to read it, is the more, listen, what's fascinating about reading the word, it's like going on a date with someone and only talking. You don't learn that person. But when I open up the word of God, it, I, what I'm saying is, God, I, I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want you to speak to me. And when his word speaks to me, it cleanses me. It cleanses my ideas of him. It cleanses my ideas of me. It cleanses my ideas of my finances, of my friends, of my family, and it dictates my life. His word cleanses me. Sanctify them, the scripture says, by your truth. Your word is the truth. You understand that? Jesus was full of truth. That's why as a little boy, he was able to walk into the temple courts and the courts, and he was able to recite chapter and verse, chapter and verse, chapter and verse. And some of you are like, I'm not good at that, man. It's okay. Just read the word. Just get it in you. Because it's here you're saying, God, I, I want you to speak to me. This is the number one way that God still speaks to his people. Y'all still like your pastor? All right, cool. The second thing Jesus was full of was grace. We know that grace is God's favor. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his, say it with me, when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's not because you believed God enough or did enough for God. It's because he saved you. And you can't take credit for it. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that you've accomplished, so none of us can boast about it. We were saved by God's grace. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And that's why I am who I am. Church, do we believe that? If we don't believe that, you're missing the whole, read the whole book of Galatians. It's about grace. Jesus was full of grace, and he was full of truth. Daniel was full of truth. And he was full of grace and loving kindness towards people. And if we want to grow in a dark society, we have to learn this. Watch this. Without truth, we will just become corrupt. Without grace, we are just condemned. Without truth, we're corrupt. Without grace, we're condemned. Without truth, we become worldly. We become like everyone else. But without grace, we become judgmental. Ah, it hurts. And I, I become judgmental. And I become worldly. But I want to be full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And it only, he is supernatural. I am not. But I am married to him. And what I find in all of us is where, it's like if you look into any couple, husband and wife, you'll find one and the other. <laughs> one's really good at one and one's really good at the other. Don't look at your spouse right now. Just keep your eyes on your pastor. You are going to have a long drive home, buddy. Okay, and so they're both important. Truth without grace is mean. Do you believe that? Now, these aren't biblical. I found these on Google, so you can disagree with these if you want, but I liked them. Uh, and so if your pastor likes them, then they got to be right, right? Grace without truth, though, is meaningless. Oh, because what are we calling people to? And so I have to figure out how in my life I can have a standard and love the hell out of people. The pastor just say, yes. I'll say a lot more things if you get a little. All right. Grace invites us to be free so that the truth can set us free. That was my favorite. 
I'll say it again. Grace allows us to be free so the truth can set us free. So I want you to know wherever you're at, you are fully welcome here today. But the Lord is just asking you not to leave the same. Don't, don't leave the way you came in. He's calling you all to change. And we fall into this place of comfort where like everything stays the same and it's awful. I am so over time, it's unbelievable and I'm only halfway through my sermon. I've got to go, lock the door. Here we go. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I'm going to show you a story where Jesus is performing the same thing that Daniel would be doing and I'll break it down for you in the coming weeks. But if we want to understand what's happening around us prophetically, then we have to understand how we want to grow in the things that God wants us to do because we want to make a difference in people's lives. And if we want to make a difference, we have to be different. So I want, to, I want you to see how grace and favor looks when Jesus is acting it out. And it's found nowhere else that's cooler than in the story of John chapter 8. If you don't know, this is the most fascinating story in all the Bible uh, outside of Jesus coming through the tomb. That was pretty dang cool. Um, all right, drink. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and the crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Man, she was caught in the middle of what she was doing that was wrong. And they put her in front of the crowd, and the teacher said, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was, uh, what did I, you, uh, they, yeah, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Uh, the law of Moses said that we should stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him, just like they did to Daniel. And, and so uh, he stooped down and began to write with his, uh, wrote in the dust with his finger, and they kept demanding an answer. I, I love to, uh, yeah, cool. And so he wrote down, and it's, I'm so pumped about this. Y'all, can you tell? All right, I'm sorry. Um, he's just better than me. And I love him for it, you know? Because I wouldn't think of this. And they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned before throw that first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When all of the accusers uh, heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left. And in the middle of the crowd, was, was with, he was with the woman. And Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And she said, no, Lord. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Now, I love this story because I think that he has an ability to lay into the Pharisees, everyone that wants truth, everyone that wants justice, everyone, and he has an ability to go after the, he, he's always going to protect the one that's broken. And so he, here is this lady who is crazy embarrassed, and all of these people that are raging religion at him, and they know the right thing to do, and they try to get Jesus, and they try to trap him, and he's in the stand, and he just... When everyone is going on and everyone wants an answer, just take a time out. When emotions are high, take a time out. That's a word of the Lord for someone here today. So Jesus, he just starts writing in the sand. 
And everyone always wants to know, what was he doing? Was it tic-tac-toe? Was it calligraphy? You know, what was he doing? And I heard a preacher say once that he was, he was writing the names of, of the Pharisees um, 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 uh, women that he had that they had slept with uh, in the past. He was writing their names in the sand. You know, he was like Sally, <laughs> Jennifer, and uh, they're like, "Oh crap! You got my number. I'm out, man. I'm gonna get into this." And because uh, he knows what you did, you want to throw the first stone. And uh, he's finding a way. We always want to protect those that are broken, not scream at them. And so when that person was gone and all the crowd was done, and then, then he's going to look at the, the issue that's actually at hand. Hey, um, who here condemns you? No one? All right, good. I'm not going to condemn you either, but I want you to know this can't happen anymore. You need to stop. Loud and clear, she heard the message. She understood both truth and love. Love and grace. I don't know about any of you, but if everyone, when I came to Christ, my life was a hot mess. If the whole church would have seen the things that I was doing that night before I came to church, no one would have let me in the door. But Jesus did, and he didn't care. He, what he cared about was the calling on my life, and he was willing to say, from this day forward, I want to see you change. I love you, and I accept you as you are. Jesus would do this again and again. Zacchaeus, the little man. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little. He was up in a sycamore tree. <laughs> and a little guy up in a tree. And everyone else knew who the guy was. And Jesus asked, hey, man, I want to go to your house tonight and have dinner. And all the Pharisees are like, you're going to eat with that guy? Yeah, because Jesus was a friend of sinners. It's who he was. And we have to figure out how do we love the people around us if we're going to actually influence their lives at all? Do you have grace and truth? Do you have truth and grace? Somewhere in the middle is where God is calling us to live in a culture that is shifting all underneath our feet. Are you with me? All right, now I'm going to start going to the close. Holy moly. All right, I'm going to do three points. I'm going to say them real quick. Real quick. I need, another, I need a shot of espresso, someone. Here we go. All right, here we go. All right. Um, love people. John 13, 34 through 35. This is my first point. This is what we need to do. We need to love people. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Galatians chapter five, verse six would say, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Through love. We must learn to love people. I care about you and where you are. I care about where you are and where you are. If we're gonna make a difference in this world, we must love people. Can I get an amen? The second thing that Jesus is calling all of us to do is learn how to serve 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 said this. Paul said, though I am free, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone so that I might win as many people as possible. I'm going to figure out how to serve people. That's what Daniel did. He threw himself in a culture of people and said, I love you. I'm here to be a blessing to you. That's what Jesus did. I came not to, to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. 
There is some in the gospel that think that like all you have to do is come to church. No, no. The people that are making a difference in society are lowering themselves and making everyone else in their life better. That's what I love about companies that are figuring this out. The reason why Chick-fil-A is flourishing is because they're radically serving further than everyone else. They want to go out of their way to make sure that you are happy. Are you happy? They're standing and pouring rain outside, thundering everywhere. And then people are like, I'm here. How can I serve you? All right, I have to keep going. Golly. Serve people. St. Francis of Assisi said it this way. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Serve, 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 serve. Love people and serve people. The last thing I think you need to do is share Christ with people. I'm going to take you to Daniel and show you how he did it. Daniel, when, when Aaron, uh, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke with him with wisdom and with tact. He confronted the guy and said, hey, man, what are you doing? So when this guy was going to kill them all, Daniel rose up with truth and approached him. In verse 47 of chapter 2, he said, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery to you. I love that even pagans know who you are when you choose to live differently than everyone else around you. I'm just going to say that again to this side of the room because I think they heard me. I love that the world out there knows who you are when you choose to live differently than everyone else in your life. Preach the gospel. Last verse, I'm closing. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16 said this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may, be, uh, may ashamed them of their slander. I just want you to be kind. I want you to love people. I want you to put people first. There is a world that is getting darker and darker and darker and darker, and people are jumping on board thinking that this is all good. It's not good. But just because doesn't mean that you have to scream at them and tell them all the things. You love them first. Make people the priority. Jesus did it for you. You're supposed to do it for others. So as we unpack this book, which we're going to unpack with a lot of crazy prophecy in it and a lot of things that's yet to come and that we're going to see in America because I'm going to show you how America is Babylon. And the, the, the judgment that's about to come on, on America is going to be gross. You need to know that Jesus is coming back. And it very much may be that we see it in our lifetime. Hey, um, would you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? Go and sin no more. If Jesus caught you right now doing some of the things that, that you've been doing or saying some of the things that you've been saying, are you ready to meet the Lord? We had a friend that um, got a phone call today that said that they, they lost a loved one this morning. If your day comes today, are you ready to meet God? I just want you to know you're going to be measured not by your standard, but by his. And that's a standard that none of us in this room can fulfill. Only Jesus can. But he is calling you. Are you ready to meet God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Tim, I know there's things in my life I need to change. I need to do that today. 
Can you pray with me that God forgive me and help me change my life around? If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. 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 And there's hands everywhere. And together we're just gonna say this prayer out loud. Jesus, forgive me. Help me to live for you. Help me to make this serious. I want to love you. I want to honor you. I want to serve you. Teach me your ways. Teach me your voice. Teach me your kindness and your justice. I want to live for you. Forgive me of my sin and give me your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, uh, we're um, out of time and uh, just because there are babies in the back that are currently screaming, I can hear them. I am gonna dismiss this room. I love you guys and uh, I'm thankful so much. We'll have people down front that wanna pray with you for anything that's going on. And if you made a decision today for Christ, uh, we have some people that wanna meet you at the back at the table. I love you. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.